Shalom, y'all. Howdy. My name is Boris Golden, and I'm missionary with Chosen People Ministries, and I'm also Messianic rabbi in Messianic congregation in Hollywood, Florida. So this is joy and privilege for me to be with you people of God and share with you very interesting and I believe very important presentation, which call it Messiah in the Passover. But before I will go anywhere further, I have to set it up, very important agreement with you. It's important for me, but I believe it's even more important for you. Why? You probably have noticed my heavy accent, don't you? Yeah. So I have simply two ways how I can make my presentation. I can speak, let's say, in my broken English, or I can speak in my straight Russian. Which way do you prefer? English. Okay, thank you. Let me begin with my English, but if you will not understand me, please tell me right away and I will switch it to my Russian. <laughs> if you're going to ask some Jewish kids who is the hero of the Passover, after they will give some credits to God, they will tell you Moses, Moshe. And this is going to be the truth, but just part of the truth. Because if you're going to ask some Messianic Jewish kids, kids who does know Messiah Jesus, Yeshua, who is the real hero of the Passover, they will tell you Yeshua. His name in Hebrew means God's salvation. So whole story of the Passover is the story of God's salvation. When you talk about Passover, you talk about Yeshua. And when you talk about Yeshua, you talk about salvation. I have a lot of hopes and a lot of expectation this morning. My prayer and my hope that after this presentation, you will have knowledge and you will be able to go to your Christian friends, co-workers, relatives, and you will be able to show and explain to them many Christian tradition which have roots, deep Jewish roots, right from this traditional Passover Seder table. My prayer and my hope that after this meeting, you will have knowledge and you can go to your Jewish friends, co-workers, or neighbors, and you can explain them life, death, and resurrection of our Messiah right from this traditional Passover Jewish table. So I have a lot of hopes and a lot of expectations, but let me begin with the scripture. I will read from Gospel of Luke chapter 22. I will read from my complete Jewish Bible. You can read from your own translations. Words may be different, but hopefully you will understand the meaning. Everybody remember where is Luke? Genesis, Exodus, then Luke. <laughs> Luke chapter 22. I will try to make jokes from time to time, so please respond to me. Uh, Luke chapter 22, verses 7, 8, and 13. Then came the day of matzah on which the Passover lamb had to be killed. Yeshua sent Kepha and Yohanan instructing them, go and prepare our Seder so we can eat. And then 13. They went and found things just as Yeshua had told them they would be, and they prepare for the Seder. Word Seder means order. And you, you can find this order in special book, which call it Haggadah, which means the telling, the story. 
And I have messianic version of Haggadah, but nevertheless, we have to go through this entire book, and we have to read, and we have to pray, and we have to sing. So usually it takes about four hours. Please be ready. <laughs> not for today. We do not celebrate Seder today. Seder is going to be a little over than months from now. Today we have just presentation. But in some Orthodox Jewish homes, preparation for the night of the Seder began about six weeks before. And most of this preparation is cleaning of the house. And who does such a kind of cleaning? Usually Jewish woman. She cleans the entire house from top to bottom and she removed anything which contains leaven or yeast from her house. Bread, cookies, cereal, even baking soda. Everything should be removed. But she left and hide just last few crumbs with leaven somewhere in the house. If you listen to me carefully, you probably have noticed that in the scripture, Yeshua sent two men to make preparation for the Seder. Now I'm saying Jewish woman does such a kind of work. How it's come? Well, our rabbis gave us very smart solution. They told us that women should to do the easiest part of the job, just clean the house for six weeks. Man have to do the most difficult part of the job. He has to remove last few crumbs with leaven. Fair enough, isn't it? Anyway, in the last night before the Seder, man, master of household, coming home, and he began to search for those last few crumbs with leaven. And he is searching for the hours. And finally he found them. Guess where? He found them exactly at the same place where he found them year ago, and a year ago, and a year ago. His wife is a smart woman, and she wants to make sure that her husband will find and will remove those crumbs with leaven. So when man found those crumbs, he is not allowed to touch them by his hands. Why? Because very often in the scripture, leaven is considering a synonym of sin. That's why man using very unusual tool, wooden spoon and feather. When he found those crumbs, he put them into the spoon, then into the napkin, and with those last crumbs from each house, every man going to the local synagogue. At that time, somebody set up big bonfire on the yard of the synagogue. All men gathering together, they pray, and then they put last crumbs from each house with leaven into the flames. And on this way, every man can say, now my house is clean from leaven. In other words, now my house is clean from sin. And Jewish people thanks God that once per year, God allowed them to clean their house from leaven, from sin. How we, people who does know Messiah Yeshua, should thank God that through him, through God's salvation, he cleansed us from our sins once and forever. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. Then man going home, and he is doing last preparation for the Seder. He has to change his clothes. He is wearing in special clothes, which call it kitel. And kitel, it's supposed to be white color garment. Why white color? Because white color is color of royalty and color of purity. So every man in this night supposed to be like a king in his household. When my wife 
traveled with me. She helped me to, to wear in this very complicated clothes. And uh, people very often ask me why she's doing so. She's supposed to, or she's just good wife. I'm telling you, she's just good wife. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kedishanu b'mitzvotav etzivanu lechech etev betzitzit. Blessed your Lord, our God, King of universe, who sanctified us with your commandments and who commanded us to wear in tzitzit. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. Well, we are ready to begin our service. And service usually started with the lighting of the candles. And this is privilege and obligation of Jewish women. And I need one lady as a volunteer to light up the candles. Do we have brave one? Please come. What is your name? Heather. Please, honor my table. Cover your head. Uh-huh, beautiful scarf. Beautiful lady. Please. It's okay. We need some initial training. May I help you? I'm going to get it. Sure you do. We have more matches, so don't worry about it. It's usually coming. No. Nope. Here we go. Wonderful. Thank you so very much. Great. Super. Thank you. Let's pray. And most of the Jewish prayers is chanting, so please forgive me for the wrong keys. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav, v'tzivanu lechadlik ner shel Pesach. Amen. Blessed you, Lord, our God, King of universe, who sanctified us with your commandments and who commanded us to light up the candles of the Pesach, Passover, in the name of Yeshua. Amen. And it's very symbolic that woman gave light to those candles, and those candles gave light to entire room. This is reminding us that our Messiah should come not as the seed of man, but as the seed of woman. Remember what prophet Isaiah said? The virgin will conceive and bear the son, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And he will be the light for the nations, and he will be the glory of the people of Israel. Yes, Messiah Yeshua came as the seed of Miriam, Mary. And he is God with us, and he is the light for the nations, and he is the glory of the people of Israel. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. Then we come up to the first cup. It's called Cup of Kiddush, Cup of Sanctification. So we have to pray, and we have to sanctify everything on this table. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, borei prichagafen. Blessed you, Lord, our God, King of universe, who gave us fruit of the wine. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. And we're drinking first cup.
Pastor, this is juice. <laughs> Jewish people don't drink juice. <laughs> we drink wine. And we have to drink four cups of the wine during the service. So guess how they feel in the end of the service. <laughs> After the first cup, children are allowed to ask four questions. And this is very important part of the service. Why? Because Torah commanded us as a parents to teach our children diligently. We have to teach them when we're sitting at home or where we're away on the road. When we are able or when we are not able, we must teach them the scripture, the word of God. And believe me, if we will not teach them the Torah, the Word of God, somebody else will come and teach them something else. So listen carefully how Father answering for those questions. The first question is, why this night is so different than all another nights? And Father answered, at this night, thousands of years ago, God Almighty stretched out his hand, and he delivered me from the bondage of slavery, and he redeemed me from the house of Egypt. Yes, it's very important that every person at this night should feel the Passover story, story of redemption that's happened with him right now, today. And Jewish people thanks God that thousands of years ago, God Almighty redeemed our forefathers from slavery of Egypt. How we, people who does know Messiah Yeshua, should thank God that through him, he redeemed us from bigger slavery, from slavery of our sins. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. Then children asking second question, why in this night we have to eat only unleavened bread? Instead of another night, we can eat any kind of bread. And when father answer for that question, he come up to matzah torch, bag for matzah. This bag has three compartments, and each compartment has one thin piece of matzah, unleavened bread. All three of them are laying together and they just separated by a piece of fabric. Then father, taking the middle piece of the matzah, not top, not bottom, the middle one, and I'm telling you current Jewish tradition. Then he is praying, Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, amotzel lechem in haaretz. Blessed you, Lord, our God, King of universe, who gave us bread from the earth. And then he breaking in a half this piece of matzah. One half, he is living on the table. Another half, which is called afikomen, he is wrapped up into the napkin. And then he hide this piece of matzah somewhere in the house. It's very interesting. Why in the midst of traditional Jewish Passover Seder table, Jewish people used Greek word afikomen, which means the dessert. Or in another translation, it means he who will come later. Yes, without that small piece of matzah, we could not conclude entire service. This piece of matzah will come late and will be the last and the sweetest piece of the meal in our mouths. If you're going to ask some Jewish rabbis why those three pieces of the matzah are laying together, some of them can tell you that those three pieces of the matzah simply represented our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, it's very possible. But why we are taking middle piece of the matzah, breaking, hiding, then bringing back? There is no answer. Another rabbis can tell you that those three pieces of the matzah represented the order of the service in the time of the temple. 
priests, Levites, people of Israel. It's also very possible. But why we are taking little piece of the matzah, breaking, hiding, then bringing back? No answer. Let me share with you my vision and my understanding of this ancient Jewish tradition. I strongly believe that tradition was created by first Jewish messianic believers in Messiah Yeshua, in first century common era. On this way, they tried to remember who he is and his life, death, and resurrection. Those three pieces of the matzah which are laying together simply represented our God, the nature of our God. Those three pieces of the matzah represented God's Father, God's Son, God's Holy Spirit. That's why the middle piece of the matzah, which represented God's Son, appeared in this world, then he was crushed, he was crucified, then he was buried, then he came back, he rose from the death. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. And it's very interesting to notice that another two pieces of the matzah which represented God's Father and God's Holy Spirit also here in the presence, but they are not visible. Then children asking another two questions. Why in this night we have to eat only bitter herbs and why we have to dip them twice? And when father answered for those questions, he come up to Passover Seder plate. On this plate, you usually can see all those items which I put up front for the presentation. The first one, it's called it carpus. Carpus, it's usually parsley, and it should be green because this is symbol of life. Bitter herb, symbol of life. And then what we have to, to do, we have to dip it, this bitter herb, into salt water, and we have to eat. Hmm. Very interesting taste. bitter herb and salt water. What the lesson is here? Lesson is obvious. Our life is very bitter and full of tears. We need redeemer. We need redemption in our life. The next item, it's called Hazaret. Hazaret, this is a root of bitter herbs. And this is another lesson. Not only our life, but roots of our life are very bitter and full of tears. We need redeemer. We need redemption in our life. The next item is called maror. And at this point of presentation, I need one volunteer. No kids. Please. What we have to do, we have to make a small sandwich. Please come here. We have to take a piece of matzah, and we have to take a little bit of marrow, and we have to eat. And this moment, horseradish began to fight with his sinus. For me, it looks this horseradish is not strong enough. Otherwise, you're going to cry. <laughs> but anyway, thank you very much, sir. Thank you for volunteering. What the lesson is here. Our life is very bitter, miserable, full of tears. We need redemption. We need redeemer in our life. The next item, it's called haroset. And this is completely different mixture. Apple, cinnamon, some nuts, honey, good stuff. I need another volunteer. Okay. 
we have to make another sandwich. We're taking another piece of matzah. We're taking a little bit of horseradish. <laughs> a little bit. And we're taking a lot of set. And we have to eat. Please take. Take your time. Please chew. <laughs> Do you feel a little bit of bitterness? Do you feel sweetness? Thank you very much. What lesson is here? Very often, our life is very bitter and full of tears. But when Messiah came to our life, he has power to switch bitterness to the sweetness. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. The next item, let's call it Hagigah. Hagigah, it was the name of special sacrifice in the time of the Passover in the temple. And this is remind us about thousands of lamb sacrifices, as well as Zeruah, the shank bone of the lamb. Those two items remind us about thousands of Passover sacrifices in the time of the temple. And through those sacrifices, Jewish people can have atonement. But today is not temple. Today there are not sacrifices. How Jewish people can have atonement today? This is a crucial question. And I strongly believe that today is only one way for Jews as well as Gentiles how to have atonement? Only through the blood of just one God's Passover lamb, Yeshua the Messiah. Remember, in one last night, before people of Israel left Egypt, God commanded to Moses, kill the Passover lamb and apply the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost of your houses. So when I will go through the land, I will see the sign of the blood and I will pass over. In Hebrew, it's called Pesach. Today, we have almost the same procedure. If by faith, we apply the blood of just one God's Passover lamp, Yeshua the Messiah, on the doorpost of our hearts, Scripture promise, death will pass over. We will have everlasting life. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. Then we come up to the second cup, which call it cup of the plagues cup of the punishment. And this cup should be full of wine. Why? Because the fullness of wine simply represented the fullness of joy. But then man doing something unusual. He is putting his small finger into the cup and he dropped down one after another 10 drops of the wine. And he named it one after another 10 plagues, blood, frogs, lysis, and on, and on, and on. And on this way, he simply reduced amount of the wine. In other words, he reduced amount of the joy. It's not supposed to be. This cup should be refilled. And Jewish people refill this cup with prayers. They pray to God that God will have mercy for our enemies, people of Egypt, and he will not punish them too much. And this is remind me that Messiah Yeshua said to his disciples, what the privilege if you love those who loves you. We have to love our enemies. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. After second cup, Food is coming, famous Passover Seder banquet. I hope in one day we will have such a kind of banquet in your church and you will enjoy of this Passover food. Now we're going to skip it for the lunch. But nevertheless, 
after the food, we come up to the third cup. It's called the cup of redemption. And this cup is focal point of entire ceremony. But before we will drink this cup, we have to do something else. What? We have to bring back our afikorman, remember? That's why Father have sent his children. They search in the entire house. Somebody find out afikorman bringing back to Father, and Father give him reward, few silver coins. And this is remind me that our Messiah had been betrayed for 30 shekels, for 30 pieces of silver. He is here on the Passover Seder table. Then Father praying, and he breaking this piece of matzah on small, olive-sized pieces like this one. And then he share those pieces of matzah with everybody who are sitting all around the table, and everybody is eating. Then Father taking the third cup, cup after the meal, cup of redemption. He is praying, and then he is sharing this cup with everybody who are sitting all around the table, and everybody is drinking. Is that remind you something? Yes, no? What? Communion, yes. Communion, Lord's Supper, isn't it? But I have a question for you. If this is communion, what we commute here? If this is supper, why we are taking this supper every first Sunday in the noontime? There is something very important and connecting much more with the story of the Passover. To better understand this, we have to go back to the scripture. Again, I will read from Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. Yeshua also taking piece of matzah. He made the bracha, the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, this is my body, which is being given for you. Do this in memory of me. So he took the piece of matzah, piece of unleavened bread. When we have matzah, we have matzah only once per year in the time of the Passover. And this is special bread, which reminds us about time in the slavery. And when we escape from the slavery, God commanded us to make such a kind of bread. So everything connecting with the story of the salvation. So he took this piece of matzah, broke it, gave it to them, and said, this is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in memory of me. What we have to do, we have to take piece of matzah during the Passover, break it, and remember him. To better understand what he said to his disciples, we have to take a closer look on piece of matzah. Every piece of matzah has been made under strict rabbinical supervision. Every piece of matzah has three significant signs still today, over thousands of years. First of all, it should be unleavened. So when Yeshua took this piece of matzah, he explained to his disciples that he is like this bread, has no leaven, no sin, who doesn't have any sin, only God. So he explained to them that he is God in flesh, and they expect him to be a king in Israel, but then what he did? He broke it. He explained to them that he came not to be a king this time. 
He came to suffer and die, and he explained to them the way how he's going to suffer and die. Second sign, every piece of matzah have stripes. You see? You remember what prophet Isaiah said? By his stripes, we will be healed. By whose stripes? Yeshua. He explained to his disciples that not, he is not only God who came in flesh and who is going to suffer and die, but he is also Messiah. And in Jewish mind, when you said that you are Messiah, it doesn't mean that you have to make any kind of miracles. It's not necessary. But what is necessary, you have to fulfill the prophecy. And Yeshua explained to his disciples that he is the Messiah. He came to fulfill the prophecy. As well, the third sign. Every piece of matzah, if you take a look on light, you will see it has hundreds of holes. It's pierced. Remember what Prophet Zechariah said? They will look to me whom they pierced. Who was pierced? Yeshua. So he explained to his disciples the purpose of his coming and what we have to remember every time when we celebrate the story of redemption, story of the Passover. We have to remember that he is God who came, suffer, and die, and he is our Messiah. Then verses 20. He did the same with the cup after the meal, saying, this cup is the new covenant ratified by my blood, which is being poured out for you. So he took the cup after the meal, as Scripture saying, in our counting, this is the third cup, and he said, this cup is cup of new covenant. Why? Why he didn't say so about the first cup or second one or the fourth one? Why about this one? Because in Jewish tradition up to today, the third cup is cup of redemption. We are taking this cup as cup of redemption, and we thank God for our redemption from Egypt. But Yeshua explained to his disciples that since now on, Every time when you will celebrate Passover, when you will take the third cup, cup of redemption, you have to understand that since now on, through me, God make new covenant with you. And he pointed to another prophecy, prophecy of Jeremiah 31, 31, when God said that he will make new covenant. Actually, it's using word renewed covenant between him and people of Israel. And Yeshua explained that every time when God make covenant with his people, blood should be shedded. And this time his blood will be shedded to ratify this covenant. Every time when we are drinking the third cup, cup of redemption, we have to remember that our redemption now came to us through him. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. Then we come up to the fourth cup, which call it cup of Hallel. Hallel uh, in Hebrew means praise. Everybody knows the word hallelujah, don't you? It means pray, we praise him. So when we are drinking the fourth cup, we thank God, we praise God. We are reading wonderful psalms, which are called psalms of Hallel. And I highly recommend you to read those psalms when you will come home. It's psalms from 113 to 1, uh, from, sorry, from 113 to 118. And I will ask somebody who has Bible handy, please read just one psalm for us, Psalm 117. Please stand and read loud. Please. Yeah, you are ready. You are. Okay. 
Thank you. What it's saying, praise the Lord, hallelujah, who? All your people of Israel? No. All your nations. Why? Because the love of God through Messiah Yeshua towards us forever. Jewish people thanks God that thousands of years ago he redeemed our forefathers from physical slavery. How we should thank God that through him, through God's salvation, he redeemed us from slavery of our sins. Our Messiah here on the Passover Seder table. So, now I want to propose for you one thing. I will count one, two, three in Hebrew, and we will shout. But shout hallelujah to the Lord. Are you ready? Echad, Stein, Shalosh. It's, it's not the shout. <laughs> One more time. Echad, Stein, Shalosh. Here we go. Hallelujah. And we are drinking for cup. Just one item left on our table. It's called cup of Elijah. Why we have this cup? According to our tradition, which came from the scripture, from the book of Malachi, Elijah should come in the time of the Passover, and he should proclaim the coming of the Messiah. So at the end of ceremony, one child is going to the entrance door, open up the door, looking around, and he is asking, Elijah, are you here? Jewish people waiting for Elijah. They are waiting for the Messiah. But unfortunately, so many of my brothers and sisters do not recognize that Elijah came already as the John the Baptist, and Messiah came already, and he will come again. So many of them do not recognize them. But there is small but faithful remnant of Israel, Jewish people who does know Messiah Yeshua, and I'm more than happy to tell you that I am part of this small but faithful remnant of Israel, as well as the ministry what I represented. Pastor, what about our time? Would you like me to give testimony now, or I can do this on the second hour? Now? Good. I would like to tell you a few words about myself so that will help you to better understand what does it mean to be a Jew and believe in Jesus. I was born in former Soviet Union in Jewish atheistic family, and I did know about my Jewish heritage almost anything until in... Uh, my first or uh, second grade, uh, one of my classmates tried to beat my nose. Why? Because by my nose, he recognized that I was Jew. So he was my first teacher. First but not last. I've been beaten and cursed many times in my childhood because I was Jew. In one day, I decided that's enough. I should start to fight back, and I should put all my forces, and I should reach all the tops of the hills in this life. Yes, since then, I began to fight back. But over the years, I did recognize that I can reach actually nothing. I couldn't get good job. I couldn't get good education. I couldn't get good position, mostly because I was Jew. So finally, we decided to immigrate. And that's happened that I should go first. My family should stay for a while in former Soviet Union. So when I've been in Austria and then in Italy, I felt very, very lonely. I missed my wife, I missed my son, 
I didn't know what I have to do, when and how I will see them again. I didn't know how it was happened, but in one day in Rome, I came in in one church. I did not remember the name of this church. I did not remember where this church was located. It was not important. But what was important, that first time in my life, I was staying on my knees and I prayed to God. I didn't know his name. I didn't know who he is, but I strongly believe that only him can help to solve my problem. Unfortunately, I did not recognize that God began to work in my life on those days, and those days gone. I came to States, I started to live in New York, and many things just amazed me. And one of those things was that in former Soviet Union, most of us have been atheists. We've been unbelievers. We thought God is myth, he's unreal. But when I came here, I've seen thousands and thousands of people came to different churches, synagogues. They believed that God is real. He exists. Then after a while, my family came to States, and we rejoiced and reunion as a family. And I would like to take advantage, because my wife is not here today, I would like to tell you a few words about my wife. She is a special woman. She is a woman of God. And God used her very richly, especially in my life as a believer. On that time, what I'm talking about, we've been two different kinds of persons. I've been very materialistic. My wife was sort of spiritual one. And I remember in one day she gave me the book. Book was called Life After Death. And she asked me to make a copy of this book. So I went to the office where I used to work for, and I began to make a copy. And one of my co-worker, Russian-speaking lady, came to me, and she asked me, Boris, is this your book? I said, no, this is book of my wife. She said, you know, your wife is looking for something. I said, oh, yeah, my wife is always looking for something, nothing new. Anyhow, she took my home phone number, and she called to my wife. And she invited her in some Russian-speaking evangelical church in the Manhattan. So in one day, my wife went to this church. She left as one kind of person, and she came back as absolutely different one. You know? She was crying and smiling at the same time. When she came home, she said, Boris, I found what I was looking for my life. I said, what is this, honey? She said, I found God. I said, good for you, but give me a break. But you know, when God began to live in your heart, when Messiah began to live in your heart, you don't have break. You began to witness. So my wife. And because I've been the closest person to her, she began to witness to me. She was witnessing, I was rejecting. She was witnessing, I was rejecting. I remember we've been sitting up to 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning in one night, and my wife told me, Boris, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. In one moment, I'm getting overwhelmed. I'm getting very angry, and I began to scream to my wife, and I said, Shulamit, stop to tell me about Jesus. I'm Jew, and I remember history very well, and I remember everything what people who call themselves Christians made to my people, to Jewish people. I remember crusaders, I remember inquisitions, I remember pogroms, I remember Holocaust, I remember everything which took millions and millions lives of Jewish people. And they have been slaughtered just for one guilt. They've been Jews. My wife began to cry, and then she said, Boris, you are wrong. Jesus loves you. 
It was last drop for me. I slammed the door. I went down to my car. I was sitting and thinking about divorce. How can I live with this? But a few minutes later, something very important happened in my life. A few minutes later, my wife came down to the car, and she asked me to forgive her. Not because she was witnessing about Jesus, but because she felt that I've been very uncomfortable. And I see it doesn't mean too much for you, but for me it was like a piece of revelation. Why? Because never ever before my wife was asking forgiveness for me. Even when I was right and she was wrong, I have to ask forgiveness from her. But now I can see different person, different Shulamit. Today I can say born again person. Of course I forgive her because I loved her. So when we came back to our apartment, I said, Shulamit, here is the deal. I will show you through Tanakh, through Jewish Bible, that Jesus doesn't have anything in common with Jewish people. He is God of Goim, God of another nations. So I opened the book, I began to read, and guess what happened later? On the pages of this book, I've met God himself. I hope you remember the story of Jacob, Yaakov. Remember what happened with him when he met God? Remember? What? He began to wrestle. Don't forget, he was a Jew. I'm too. So when I met God, I began to fight with him as well. And I fought more than one and a half year. I didn't want to give up anything in my life. My work, family, money, nothing. But as God was over Jacob, God was over me. He won, I felt. Praise the Lord, he didn't break my leg. He won by his love. Honestly saying, I did lie to my wife. Why? Because somehow I did open up the New Testament and I did read something. Remember, it was one book. So that's why in one day I found John 3.16. God so loved this world that he gave his only one and lovely son for everyone who believes. And he promised not to perish, but gave everlasting life. Wow. I've never ever heard anything like this in my entire life. I'm a father. I have a son. And I love my son with all my heart. But I could not even imagine that I can give my only one son what I have for somebody who doesn't know me. For somebody who rejecting me, who is my enemy, I could not, but God did. Who I was, I was enemy of God. I rejected him at any occasions. But on that very day, God told me, Boris, I love you so much that I gave, already gave life of my son for you, and for you, and for you, and for all of us. On that day, God gave me so many lessons. He showed me that his life is not man's life. It's God's everlasting one. He showed me that his love is not man's love. It's God's love. When man love woman, what he's saying? I love you. I take you as my wife. When God loves, what he said? I love you. I gave my son for you. You see the difference? God came to my heart, but it was not all. Few months later, I found another verse. It was Revelation 3.20. Yeshua saying, I'm staying near the door. 
and I am knocking in the door. And who heard this knock will open up the door for me, and I will come in and get supper with you and you with me. And all of a sudden, I did realize that Yeshua staying right before the door of my heart, and he is knocking in the door of my heart, and he is telling me, Boris, let me in. Let me in. And you know, I could not resist anymore. I open up the door for Yeshua, and I accept him as my Lord and my personal Savior. Praise the Lord. After this, everything happened very, very quick. I was immersed, I was baptized, and that probably was one of the best of my life, one of the best of the days of my life. I was so happy. Everybody tried to give me hugs, flowers, greetings. So when I came home, I was full of joy, and I tried to share this joy with everybody. That's why I picked up the phone and called to my mom in Queens. And I said, Mom, be happy. I was baptized. Few moments have been silence. Then my mom said, I don't, I don't have more son. She buried me. Right in this moment, I understood that I have to pay the price, and price will be high. Right in this moment, I understood many passages from the Scripture. I understood what does it mean words when Yeshua said to his disciples, if you want to follow me, reject yourself. Take your tree, then you can follow me. Right in this moment, I did understand what does it mean words you will be beaten in your synagogues. Right in this moment, I understood what does it mean words fathers will stay against sons and sons against fathers. Almost all our relatives and old friends rejected us. But let me tell you something. Our God is more powerful than anybody else in this world. Amen? He is. He gave us new friends, new brothers, new sisters. I am traveling a lot. And almost everywhere I can find people with whom I can pray together, with whom I can glorify my God together, with people who are not simply open up the doors of their houses, they open up the doors of their hearts. And this is meaningful. Last 20-plus years, me and my wife helped different missions and ministers to work among Russian-speaking Jewish people, especially. Last 20 years, I am working with Chosen People Ministry, one of the oldest Jewish ministry in the United States. And I hope every family have our brochures. If you don't have it, please raise your hand. Oh, a lot of people. Uh, do we have leftover brochures? Please keep your hands up, one per family. I have, I have uh, here a little more. Can you help, please? Keep your hands up. Uh, those of you who have it, please open up our brochures. You can find some information about our ministry. Our ministry has been established by former Orthodox Hungarian rabbi Leopold Cohen in 1894. So last uh, month, we just celebrate 100, 125th anniversary. We're quite old. So what we are doing for these 125 plus years? We are doing any kind of evangelism and discipleship. We are planting congregations, doing Bible studies, one-to-one -one work, street evangelism, you name it. We have wonderful evangelistic programs like short-term ministry opportunities. If somebody of you, especially young people, if you wish 
to reach Jews and Gentiles for the glory of God. If you have such a kind of fire in your heart, we will teach you, we will equip you, we will give you opportunities to be on the streets of New York, Miami, or even Jerusalem. Another great opportunity with our ministry is tour to Israel. And I would like to tell you in advance, if you will go with us, you will see Israel through Jewish eyes. And that's going to be a life-changing event. On the back, you can find some information about me and my wife and how we can work together. Pray. Scripture saying that we have to pray one for another. As a missionary, I'm staying on the front line of spiritual warfare for the souls of Jews and Gentiles. And I definitely need your prayerful support. I am working here in the United States among Jewish people. I'm working in Israel. I'm working in, Gener in Germany. Just, just guess, doing Jewish evangelism in Germany. Former Soviet Union, Russia, Ukraine, uh, many countries, that's where I am reaching Jewish people, and that's why I need prayerful support, as well as financial support. I can be the best possible missionary in the world, but without your help, people, I can do nothing. You are the body. I'm just your arms and feet, and only together we can accomplish commandments from the Scripture, reaching Jews and Gentiles for the glory of God. Learn more. I have book table with a lot of materials in the foyer. Let me introduce some of them to you. I have just one copy left of Jewish calendar. You can enjoy of this uh, Jewish calendar as well as beautiful pictures from Israel. So it can be yours. I know somebody can say, Boris, it's March already. Yeah, I know, I know. But hey, this is just $3. I have few copies, unfortunately also lost copies, of complete Jewish Bible. The same Bible what I am using, and you probably have noticed the specialty of this translation. I would like to remind you, the whole scripture have been written by Jews, about Jews, and primarily for Jews. So if you wish better understand Scripture, you have to go deeper into Jewish roots of the Scripture. Another great book, what I can recommend to you, it's Jewish New Testament Commentary. Yes, New Testament is Jewish. I've heard many times people told me, Boris, I don't know Old Testament very well, but I do know New Testament very well. You know what? I don't think so. I don't think so. Again, this book has been written by Jews and for Jews. Somebody can say Luke was not Jew. Well, I can argue with you how often you can see a doctor who is not Jewish. <laughs> Today we spoke how we can see Messiah in the feast of the Passover. We have materials which are going to help you to see Messiah through all feasts of the Scripture. Of course, we have books which are going to explain to you the Jewish custom. I could, I could say biblical custom. Many people think tradition are not important, but Jewish tradition came from the Scripture and can be applicable for us today. We have to learn it. How? This book has helped you to better understand what is going to be future of Israel. Many people are curious what's going on in the Middle East, why this war is exist, what's going to happen in the end of the time with Israel and whole world. Our materials will help you to understand this from prophetical perspective. Of course, we have evangelistic materials like this book, how to introduce your Jewish friends to the Messiah. Small book, but will give you a lot of ideas how smoothly approaching Jewish people with the word of the gospel. And the last but not least, 
Highly recommend you our bestseller. Unfortunately, again, we, I have just two copies left. Let's call it Isaiah 53 explains how one chapter can change your life. Great, great, great evangelistic tool for Jews and Gentiles, how we can see suffering and dying Messiah only through one chapter, Isaiah 53. Why do we need this knowledge? Because with this knowledge, we can go and witness a scripture saying, especially for the Jews and equally for the Gentiles. Now, now I would like to encourage all of you to follow old chosen people ministry tradition, which call it tear off the brochures. Not this way, uh-uh, this way. I will count one, two, three in Hebrew again, and we will tear off that small portion of the brochure. Please be ready. Echad, Stein, Shalosh. Give me good noise. Very good. Please keep this big portion of the brochure for yourself. With this small portion, please take a moment, take your pen or your pencil, and please print, please print your name, your address, or your email address, and you will begin to receive my personal prayer letter, and you will know what you can pray about in my ministry. On the back, you can market those programs in which you're interested in. And please return those lips back to me after our service. And may God bless you. Pastor. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing of your, your testimony of how Yeshua the Messiah has changed your life. Church, um, Yeshua the Messiah can change your life too. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to talk to you about that. I, I love how simply he put it, um, that, that Jesus died for our sins and that we can find life in his name. That, that great scripture from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes and puts their trust in him will not perish but have eternal life. Friends, we want you to experience that today. And if we can do that in any way or if we can help you in taking that next step of immersion of mikvah, of baptism, we want to be able to do that. Next week, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. We'd love to talk with you about that. If you have placed your faith in Jesus and have not been baptized,